How do you know I'm working class? From your cheap shoes, to your ridiculous hairstyle, to your crude vocabulary, to my mother's taste in men. You scream it. Hmm. All right. Is working class bad? If you want to get into a political discussion, I'll shred you. No, it's not bad. Solid economy needs hand workers. Well, I used to drive a cement truck. My father was a bricklayer. My mother used to work in the laundry at the Pontchartrain Hotel in Detroit. You must be very proud. I am. Popheads, welcome to a special bonus edition of the show. Welcome to the TomCast Popcast. My name is Tom. I want to thank you right now for taking the time to download, stream, and listen to this quality, independent pop culture podcast. Please remember to follow us on social media at TomCast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe, share, and follow this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And if you have the time and the inclination, five reviews, so insanely helpful for, for getting the word out about what we do over here on the show. Well, if you're a longtime listener to the show, this one may sound a little familiar to you. If you're brand new, then enjoy. <laughs> this is, this is uh, an, an episode, it's, it's, you know, we don't do greatest hits on the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I'm sort of... I'm sort of reluctant to go down that road and, and bring back old episodes. I mean, they all exist on the internet. You can find the majority of them around. Um, but with this holiday season coming up and the fact that the show has grown so much over the last year, I thought it seemed uh, prudent to, to maybe revisit two episodes from last holiday season uh, that I think this one in particular deserves a ton of attention on it. And so we wanted to bring this one back. We're, we're remixing it. We're recutting it a little bit. You know, I'm doing these all-new intros. I'll do an all-new outro at the very, very end of the show. Um, but the conversation is so good. I wanted to bring it back and represent it to, to, to the new listeners. And if you are if you listen to it the first time around, I think it's definitely worth listening to again. I listened to the whole thing again, and I loved every second of it. It is, it is the one time that we have been uh, fortunate enough, blessed, if you will, uh, to have a cele- an actual real-life celebrity join us here on the show. And all the credit in the world goes out to the podfather, Cody Thompson, and his wife, Tabitha Thompson, uh, for setting it up, for making this happen, getting to sit down via the internet and have a conversation with Ethan Embry, the star of so many, many movies that you love. But in this particular instance, we are here to talk about Dutch from 1991. 
and it's it's one of my favorite movies for for Thanksgiving for the holiday season, and and it's it's a fantastic conversation, and so I hope everyone will take a chance to listen to it, take the time to listen to it, and and uh, just be 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 blown away, be regaled by by the stories that Ethan uh, shares with us. I uh, so uh, Ethan was so kind and so generous to spend so much time with us and share so many uh, memories and recollections of you know working with John Hughes, working with Ed O'Neill. And it, it was just a really, just a really delightful time, and I'm still so blown away that he took the time to hang out with a couple of, you know, with three, you know, fans. And in the case of Cody and Tabitha, like super fans, uh, they do an incredible job. Cody and Tabitha basically run this interview because their insights uh, and their knowledge of, of Ethan as as a person uh, are second to none. And so, you know, I, I I happily hand the reins off to them, and they did a bang up job. Fantastic episode, fantastic interview. And uh, I, I think it's something that's really just delightful. And if, if we're going to do sort of a greatest hits heading into the holidays, why not get it with our greatest hit, having an actual incredibly kind celebrity on the show with us like Ethan Embry. So let me go ahead and get the particulars of the movie out of the way so that, you know, refresh your memories on it. Uh, the plot of Dutch. To get to know his girlfriend's son, a working-class good guy volunteers to pick him up from his prep school only to learn that he isn't the nicest young man. That's, you know... Short but accurate. This movie is directed by Peter Feynman, written by John Hughes. It stars Ed O'Neill as Dutch Julie, Ethan Embry as Doyle Standish, Joe Beth Williams as Natalie Standish, Christopher McDonald as Reed Standish. And that's our primary principal cast. But a lot of other actors that you will recognize pop into this movie. And uh, that's, that's kind of a delight as well. So, yeah, this is a good one. I'm really excited to represent this. Um, I, like, like I said, the show, the audience has grown. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're new to a podcast, you don't always go back to listen to every single episode. So why not represent this one and, and uh, give it to a new audience? So that's what we're going to do. So we're on the podcast. You know what you got to do? You got to sit down. You got to buckle up. You hold on to your butts. And you buckle up again because Ethan Embry is going to rock your world. Let's go. I beat you mentally. Then I beat you physically. You know, yesterday you had nothing to say. Today you're a parent. I'm ready here. You know, for a split second last night, I sort of respected you for how you handled the cops and the accident. But today, I see my initial impression is correct. You're Claude. And the cool part is, I can say that. And you can't do anything about it, because I can kick your butt. Well, I won't cop to that, but I will say this. There's one thing I can do that you can't. What? I can pay for my breakfast. Nothing burps better than bacon. Your water looked tasty. All right. Joining us today is a very special guest, an actor that we have all grown up with as he has displayed his talents for the world to enjoy. From the films of our youth, like Empire Records, That Thing You Do, Vegas Vacation, Can't Hardly Wait, to amazing streaming content that we're all enjoying currently, like Sneaky Pete and my wife's favorite show, Grace and Frankie. Joining us today, he's here to talk about one of his earliest roles, that of Doyle Standish in John Hughes' written and produced film, Dutch. Here is the one, the only, 
Keith and Embry. Welcome to Popcast. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for the warm Thanks for taking time to hang out with us. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. This is awesome. Thanks for the invite, you know? I was just saying the other day, I wish people from San Diego wanted to hang out with me digitally more often. <laughs> now look at this. Right I'm, I'm glad that I could make that dream come true for you to sit digitally with some San Diego residents because, I mean, who doesn't have that dream wanting to hang out with San Diego residents? No one. Let's be real. Hey, I think even now, because if I read correctly, you guys have new restrictions in place. So I think even people yes. in San Diego wish they could hang out with people in San Diego. That's, That's true. true. Yeah. No, I did a I did a different podcast. I was a guest on someone's last night and they were like, thanks so much for having, thanks for joining us. And I was like, this is amazing. It's an event I can actually RSVP yes to for a change in 2020. You got to put a shirt on and everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's no Jeffrey Tubin happening here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that poor guy. I mean, or no, like, I, I don't know how that happened. I don't know. I, I haven't invest. I know that I know what the occurrence was, but I don't know the backstory. Um, so I don't know if he was just being him or if he was purposely being him for them. So I, I guess I don't know if we should feel bad for him or not. <laughs> it sounded like multitasking gone horribly wrong. Like he was right. trying to do like an interview, but he also had like his Pornhub thing going on, and it was <laughs> too much. Because it was work, right? He was technically on a work call. But yeah, he had, yeah. Like, muted his. Okay, yeah, that's not. That's not <laughs> you yeah. gotta wait till after you hang up. <laughs> You're on the clock, not on the. Clock. Right. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to close the lid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys, you and uh, and Ethan have like a really interesting kind of Twitter friendship going on, a burgeoning friendship on Twitter. Isn't that true? I would like to say burgeoning. I don't think I don't know if you would agree <laughs> with that statement or not. But yeah, we we both follow each other, and I'm just I'm glad that I haven't. Uh, ruined that situation with my terrible Twitter content yet. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's what that's how this led to this. You were just yeah. like, "Yo, we're doing a we're doing a Dutch podcast. You want to chat?" And I was like, "Yeah, yes, I do. I like that movie. I'm bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're so stoked. You said yes. We were like, "What?" He said yes. That's amazing. <laughs> Twitter is incredible, man. You get like we 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 have the president we had for the last 4 years because of twitter and we have mm-hmm. this what more could you guys ask for <laughs> yeah shut twitter down there's nothing else that that can come of it it's it served it. its purpose i mean let's be real twitter has reached its peak as of right now today being able to to touch base with you and make this happen pop class that's real too like will what will happen with twitter post the Donald Trump political era. I guess people, politicians are still going to be all over that thing. So it's probably. And I think not. You'll, he's, he's still going to use it and annoy people forever. Right. So, right. And I don't know that they can, that we were actually talking, we don't have to get into it, but we were talking about it before. Like if they were to just delete his account, Twitter would probably be in a world of hurt for uh, whether it's justified or not. Right. He would come after him. So yeah, it's probably I, worth the time. One of the things I love about Twitter, all politics aside, is that if you have you if you put together a bunch of journalists that you love reading their work, uh, like Atlantic, Guardian, or whatever uh, journals you you follow, you you put together a, a nice list of those journalists, and before they go through the writing and the editing process and all of that sort of thing, they tweet these leads out 
So you get the information like four or five hours before it actually breaks. And I think mm -hmm. that's just, it's rad. It's awesome. Yeah, and as a news source, it's amazing because you can yep. just kind of sit there and refresh or kind of guide your or gauge yep. your like, interest on the side. And what it, you get your it stuff. Does have a, it does have a, a backside though too, because sometimes oh, yeah. you, the false information or wrong information from a right. reliable source, but. Well, I think that's what you need to do. And I know you do that. And I, that's something great that comes out of Twitter as a follow of yours is that you put things out there and you actually check into stuff if it's going to be legit or not. There are people so out I just, make mistakes. I tweeted out the I, I tweeted out the New York Post, you know, your fired thing that was not real. Like, hey, every, I mean, every once in a while, a meme. yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, something's going to come through like that. But hey, you're on the right side of things, and that's amazing. And you're a great follow. If, if that matters at all to you, that you're a great follow. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm and your wife, by the way, Twitter. is a hysterical follow on Instagram because I don't have she the Twitter, is, but she is funny as fuck. Ain't she funny? Yeah. Yeah. She's, pretty <laughs> she's great. Daily, it's, I'm laughing at that. I, I, uh, the, a daily occurrence at the, at the house is, uh, me moving to a different room because she's putting together one of those videos. You know, I'll be doom scrolling on Twitter and you hear her up in the bedroom screaming about something. <laughs> or she comes walking through with like a Jersey girl wig on and <laughs> lipstick up to her nose. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Or when she does the old man, you got to do a double take probably sometimes. Like, oh, plenty cool. of double takes. And the neighbors <laughs> too. It's not just me that have to deal with this. <laughs> Yeah. All well, right. Let's talk about Doyle. No, so, well, before we get into Dutch, because we are here to talk about Dutch, but I have to take a moment to just, and it's only a few minutes. I got to tell you a quick story. I have to, if that's okay with you. What do you got? Do it, Cody. So years, years ago before, so Tab and I are actually married, but it was before her and I, it was before she started putting me in my place and giving me a good influence. <laughs> it was back in my weirdo days. But uh, a friend of my friend, Steve and I, we decided to go to Vegas for two nights. And we were like, okay, so we've heard the story about how celebrities use fake names when they check in hotels. Let's do that. Let's see how it goes. So we booked the Tropicana under the name Nick Papa Giorgio, thinking this is going to be a great Oh, you job. did it at the Tropicana? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Keep going. So I was like, everyone, everyone's yeah. going to get, everyone at the front desk is going to get such a kick out of this. Oh, it's going to be the joke of the year. I'm and it where this was, is going. Yeah. It was the opposite of that. If I, yeah, if there is yeah. an opposite of the joke of the year, it was the opposite of that. So we showed up, we got into, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. What, what, what year was this? How long ago? Oh my gosh. Um, 2011, maybe. No, no, okay. no. Like okay. three, it was, we met in 10. Oh, so, so it was 2008 or 2000. I don't know. No, it was like 2008 ish probably. Okay. So, great. Yeah. Um, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. So we show yep. up, we got there at midnight and we walk up and we say, hi, I'm Cody. This, and he, he, this is Steve. We're here to check in. The room's under the name Nick Papa Giorgio. And she's like, where's, where's Mr. Papa Giorgio? And my friend Steve has the nerve to go, he's in Yuma. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, well, he's going to need to be here. And we're like, we're, this is clearly a joke. He doesn't exist. And the woman straight up was like, well, until he shows up, I'll see you around. And she just turned and oh, walked no. away and just oh, left it no. there. It took us three hours and calling hotels.com at midnight and they had to call the reservation person at home and wake them up to look on their computer to guarantee that he had actually made the reservation and that the that Nick Papa Giorgio hadn't made this reservation for us. 
and it backfired so, on the, at the, the, the addition of the Tropicana to your story, it ties in perfectly with the fact that they tried to kick me out of that hotel twice because that's where I stayed when we were shooting the movie. Really? And yeah, and I was 17. I wasn't supposed yeah. to be gambling. I wasn't supposed to be in the casino area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when you're in Las Vegas, everything's so spread out. If you need mm-hmm. to go do something, it takes a 25 minute walk to go, you know, get a drink. Um, yeah. So I had a beach cruiser mm-hmm. and I would ride my beach cruiser through the casinos. Um, I used to take it through the employee entrance in the back. So yeah. I'd be like under in the kitchen hallway riding my beach <laughs> twice. They brought security up to my room, had me pack my bags and the producer had to call and, and get the Tropicana uh, from not kicking me out. But um, so I thought that you were and, and I got in trouble for gambling down in the poker room like mm-hmm. numerous times. So I, I thought that the trouble was going to come <laughs> from the stain that Nick Papa George oh, no. on the Tropicana. Well, who knows? Maybe they were like, oh, yeah, bring that guy here. We need to have a word yeah. with him. Yeah. Yep. By the way. But yeah, we, yeah, we actually did get kicked out later for something else. It had nothing to do with the Mr. Papa Georgie at all. But we actually, they must have a reputation of just not wanting people to have fun because yeah. we did get told you guys need to leave about 24 hours later after that. So. You know, hey, Tropicana, I guess that's not the place to be. It, it was in the early 90s, but it's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you can win lots 90s. of cars that way. Mm-hmm. Bingo. <laughs> All right. Well, I just had to tell you that story for, you know, I. it's just been a funny thing between us. Like, we love New Papa Giorgio. Let's book a room. And it backfired epically. Huge backfire. So if anyone's thinking of doing that in Vegas... Think twice. Don't yeah, use think- the Papa Giorgio <laughs> name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we were getting started, uh, you were about to tell us an amazing story because, well, hopefully amazing story, because um, we talked about how Dutch came out in the summer of 1991 up against a- Like a, July, a, right? Wasn't it like yeah. a July 4th opening or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I looked at it. was July 12th, 1991 is when it opened in theaters here in the United States. And, and it came out against a little tiny independent movie directed by James Cameron, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. You might have heard of it. Terminator 2, Judgment mm-hmm. Day. Real yeah. small budget for yeah. Tiny, tiny, tiny indie film. <laughs> yep. How did that come yeah. to be? So I, I, of course, I was like 11 or 10 or 11 when all of that went down. Um, I So the, in the process of all of that, my memory of it was just that it did horribly, that like nobody went to go see it. You know, I do remember um, getting the box office weekend uh totals like early in the week the next week so i I distinctly remember like oh okay so that didn't that's bad (laughs) (laughs) right um but later on um so apparently there was something that happened with john hughes and fox with their home alone 2 deal um so he right before Right before we started shooting Dutch, I went to the Home Alone rap party in Chicago. Um, Like he was just finishing that and we were just starting Dutch. And then during the process of doing Dutch, um, Fox wanted to make a Home Alone 2 deal. Um, And I don't I don't know what John's side of it was. I don't know what the friction was, but it ultimately ended up with 
John, you know, they made a Home Alone 2. It occurred to somebody, but the uh, casualty was Dutch. Uh, and I think the, I think there was also something to do with, like, whenever, with Hollywood Studios, if an executive leaves, but there is a product of theirs that was done under their rule and they leave, the new executive comes in and sometimes the cost is that old executive's project. So I think the executive had left and there was bad blood between Fox and um, John Hughes. So oh, wow. they just tanked. Yeah, they just tanked it. They Yikes. just, and they didn't, then it wasn't, it clearly wasn't something in the books leading up to that. Cause I remember back in the day too, we, you used to do big press tours months before mm -hmm. the movie would come out. You'd go to different cities and that was the press tour for Dutch was crazy. Cause I, I grew up in a trailer park in Cyprus, like, mm -hmm. you know, the white trash to the core. And all of a sudden I'm flying on this, um, very private jet with Ed and, you know, um, going to Chicago, New York. I think we went to Dallas, Philadelphia, the big cities, Miami, mm -hmm. and always staying in the Four Seasons Hotel at the top floor. Like I had like a four room suite overlook. Wow. That's wild. Central Park. It was crazy. <laughs> like I was just stoked to have the warm cookies. Right. Looking back <laughs> on it now, like what they were doing was that's, so the, it clearly wasn't in their plan to tank it until mm -hmm. right before. Um, but yeah, it, it, it tanked. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely became a cult classic though. Yeah, Cause it wasn't sure. about the movie not being great. Cause the movie is hysterical. Yeah, It's fun. Yeah. It, and it, and it, it holds up. I saw it a few years ago and it's, I've always seen it kind of like a cross between uncle buck and planes, trains and automobiles, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, thousand percent. I remember seeing it uh, the year it came out. We rented it mm -hmm. on VHS because that's what you did in the early '90s, and that it was immediately a, a holiday classic at my house. So, it's good stuff. And do you so yeah. do you do you see it now? Obviously, you're saying you know didn't do super well in 1991 when it was released, but now do you see it as a cult classic? And what are your thoughts on it as being a cult classic? I, with, in my opinion, whether or not something is a cult classic is not up to me at all. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think what makes something uh, receive that label is you guys, is the the public, the you know, mm -hmm. the audience. Um, like for instance, with Empire Records, which was another tank that got buried by the studio. That one was specifically. Uh, studio head leaving so they tanked it um i didn't know how many people had watched that movie until my mid-20s maybe even really? my 30s my th i would say my 30s yeah it wasn't mid-20s because i was 16 when we did it so it was mid-30s that's so wild maybe you didn't realize how big of a had, thing it was for all of us had no idea wow. um and now i'm just, I, I had no idea until I started doing like those convention things where you go and, hmm. you know, you meet people and things like that, sign autographs. I started doing that last year for the first time. And up until then, I had no idea that so many people, you know, watched the Dutch. And mm -hmm. Twitter is another way you learn those sort of things. Like people, 
you'll mention a project and the re- the response from people, uh, Dutch, blah, blah, blah. And they quote it and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Well, I was going to so ask you, no yeah. the, uh, speaking of social media, I can only imagine that you get, your mentions are probably flying off the charts all the time anyways, but around the holidays with Dutch or even all I want for Christmas, which you were in and was released not long after that, do the holidays, do you see an uptick of that where people are like, Hey, Ethan Embry, check it out. I'm watching your movie for Thanksgiving. I'm watching this for Christmas. Do you, does that like really jump up big time? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, not, you know, maybe not big time, but yeah, you Mm -hmm. see people are starting to send little pics of them watching Dutch, you know, Mm -hmm. They'll send me a screenshot of myself as a child falling asleep on Ari Meyer's breasts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I would imagine. I guess, go ahead, Tabitha. Oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say, I would imagine April is probably a big one for April's you. April's right? the big one. April's yeah. the big one. And that I had no idea on that. I had no idea <laughs> that this Rex Manning Day thing was happening and. So of recent, I embrace it and do like a tweet along party. Yeah, um, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I I I love it, especially for me. Dutch is even a little bit warmer spot mm-hmm. that people you know have a an affinity towards it because it means personally so much to me. You know, first job and yeah, my experience with uh, Ed on set. Uh, well, I wanted to actually ask because we're here to yeah. talk about Dutch, of course, um, diving into some Dutch chat and let's steamroll through some Dutch time here. <laughs> do it. Uh, do it. How did, how did this officially come to be? How did you even find your way into the role mm-hmm. of playing Doyle for the film Dutch? So I, when I was young, uh, uh, I started doing uh, acting when I was maybe eight um, and I did like I did a play at a local Los Angeles, a larger theater company. From there, I got a commercial agent. He started me sending me a bunch of commercials for about two years, and then uh, my first movie role was a really small part in Defending Your Life, um, mm-hmm. Albert Brooks movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think from that, um, I think it gave. Um, Peter Feynman, the director, and Ed O'Neill, a license to feel comfortable with giving me the the job to Mm -hmm. for Dutch. Um, But it was just classic audition, you know. You go in audition. I think back then, and especially if you're a a child, they they want to make sure you're consistent. So you'll go in five or six times, you know. You'll go in and do it and they'll call you back and they'll call you back and they'll call you back to make sure that there's a consistency to your ability. It's not just a one and done. Um, but yeah, I, let me see if I can remember when I got the, I, I don't have a, I don't have a strong memory of when I actually got the job. I do have memories of the first few days mm-hmm. that I started working like the early stuff on it um i remember going to cotillion classes like uh, uh manor classes oh to learn yeah how to eat and stand and you know things oh. like that yeah because karate well, classes i remember karate yeah, classes. Yeah. I, was, karate. I was actually wondering about that because we did obviously gearing up to talk to you we watched it again 
and you have the karate moves down, obviously high level brown belt. Congratulations. Yes. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Doyle is like, he's a very proper child. He like been brought up by like a pretty well to do family, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the dad yep. is very, very like meticulous on him. You can tell from the very beginning. So of course, before you even meet Doyle, you know, you're going to see like a very proper, well-mannered child so it makes sense that you would have to kind of do those sort of things to get prepared for this and the bitterness of you know like mm-hmm. basically abandoned you know mm-hmm. um uh funny we shot that the school stuff we shot um the way we made the movie mirrored um the storyline a lot too Uh-oh. oh really uh, okay cool yeah yeah the um the private school that Doyle went to is a uh, uh, a school up in Rome, Georgia. I don't remember the exact name of the place that we used, but so that's where film the filming started. And then slowly but surely, um, uh, we would start making our way north um, mm-hmm. through small towns, staying in little spots like Tennessee. Uh, there, the the stuff where I get in the uh, the fight with him, where he kicks me out of the car, yeah, and we're on the side of the road throwing mud clods. That was like in <laughs> Dakota somewhere because oh, we wow. needed the flat plains. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you guys were really doing the traveling along with a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of traveling, a um, lot of little roadside motels, you know. That had fun. to have been a trip as a kid, though, to get to do all this, that. Like, I know you talked about the private jet and all that, but now you're traveling and staying in roadside motels with, like, Ed O'Neill, of all people. And that's got to just be, a, like, what is going on here? How, like, where are we? <laughs> the funny thing is, like, it was, it's almost exactly the opposite of what Doyle's experience was. Because right. with my upbringing, I'm more comfortable at that little coffee shop. Mm-hmm. and the, the roadside motel and that's where Doyle's out of the water and then uh doing the publicity for it the private jets and the money that's where I felt completely out of my element um yeah, yeah. uh I actually had a, a question about that um at such a young age I mean when this movie was shot uh Married with Children had already been out for quite a few years were you aware yeah. of of Ed O'Neill and how big of a deal he was I, I was definitely aware. I, um, I was, I was raised really religious, um, which is why I didn't ever go to public school. I was homeschooled. Um, so, uh, I, I knew the significance and the popularity, but I had never watched any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch it either. <laughs> yep. <I> just, <laughs> <laughs> but you you so can't tame. not watch it. He's so hysterical. He's so great. And it's so, it's 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 such the opposite of what Ed is. Like he plays that that role so well, but he's like he's a classically trained theater actor. You know, he um, there's a couple. It, he he would of course tell this story better than me, but I, there's pieces that I've picked up over the years um, that he was uh, he was in New York, uh, and he was. Uh, the understudy for Buffalo 66, I believe is the, uh, that's the mammoth, right? Buffalo 66, not American Buffalo. I always get those two confused, but I think it was Buffalo's 
some Buffalo something, and it was a <laughs> mammoth play. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he was the understudy on that, and he was working at a restaurant to pay his bills, and he had the opportunity to go to L.A. Um, to try out for this comedy TV show on this new network called Fox. So he took a, like, he just went out on a limb and, and try out for it. And like, he's, 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 he's like, he's the most wealthy dude in Hollywood. Like you <laughs> would never know it. Cause he's so laid back and so mm-hmm. chill. And it's so not what he is about. And he's the most down to earth dude ever low key as you can be. But if you think about the fact that he created the Fox, it, him cops, and the Simpsons are responsible right. for cops for, for Fox, you know? Mm-hmm. And now with modern family on top of that, you know, like I have no idea what the actual number is, but he didn't want to do another sitcom. Mm. And so he thought that he could make them go away with what he asked for modern family. <laughs> and they said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so just think of how ridiculous that number is, mm-hmm. you know, and to do it for what, 15 years again or something, whatever, 11 years. Yeah. yeah he made run. that show yeah. what it was. I mean, the rest of the family was also epic, obviously, but Ed O'Neill. kicked it off. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. When, when you were doing the, the auditioning process, did you have a, to do a screen test with Ed to make sure you guys had the right chemistry? I'm trying to remember. We must have. Right. We absolutely must have, you know. Um, I do remember one of the elements I remember was we must have, we must have because, um, what's his name? The kid, uh, the kid that plays the one that's trying to be kind to me. Um, yeah, he invites you over for Thanksgiving dinner and when you're doing the karate in the gym. Yeah. And I know this kid and, uh, I'm totally blanking on his name. Um, but we would see each other at auditions constantly like first at commercial auditions and then as we both started doing you know real work we would see each other at these auditions we it it the two of us were the last ones and i i believe both of us read with ed that's a faint faint memory in my mind um gosh what's that what's that guy's name i can't remember it but he's a i can uh, i can imdb that real quick for you yeah. Um, he's rad. Um, <laughs> so you started off obviously as a young child actor and you, two of your first roles were you, obviously this John Hughes written Dutch and then the Albert Brooks film that I think for anyone in the world would be like a massive one, two punch of roles this is Albert Brooks and John Hughes. That's pretty big. That had to have had a big impression on you moving forward. Like, what were some of your, how did you feel after going into those? Like I did these two work with these pretty epic people. What were, what were some of the lasting impressions as a child actor moving to the, your next roles after that? You know, for me, I've always considered myself really lucky every time I get a job, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I, even now it, it, it comes from a place of, not really feeling deserving, not deserving, but not like it, it's, I don't take credit for it really, 
you know, like it's something that was given, not something that was um, not earned, but not something I created. It was given, mm-hmm. not created. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was always that's awesome. That's such a great opportunity. And, you know, and the fact that it kept happening, like people kept wanting me to show up and work was amazing. Um, but even today, I'm not fully convinced that I'll do another movie, you know, mm. even today, like I, in my, in my mind, I come up with the reasons why I won't, you know, uh, that's, I feel like it, we, most people do that, right. We, it's, it's, we doubt ourselves and, but that also keeps you working hard and, and yeah. deserving it. And you grounded. Know? Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. keeps you grounded. Well, you like, you talked to that on, about Ed O'Neill being like such a grounded down to earth dude. You clearly have that as well. And I think that's like, I think being humble is like a very important character trait that has been lost on a lot of people in modern times. And it's good to see that humble is still alive and well in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's a refreshing thing, not to people to walk around like, I deserve this, give it to me, this is mine. Like, no, you've got to put in the work and you got to be humble about it and grateful along the way. Yeah, you're not walking around going, fuck you, I worked with Tom Hanks, give me movies. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because that's not going to do anybody any, it's not going to do me any good. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, in, I've all, my, and Ed O'Neill taught me this. There was, um, the first day at lunch, he brought me into his trailer and he, he, you know, he's, he's like, so look, just, just so you know, people are going to treat you different. They're going to baby you. They're going to treat you like you're special and go out of their way to do things for you. And you have to know that it's just part of it and it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. because you're not more special than anybody else this is a collaborative industry there's 100 people out there and their jobs we would not be able to do this without them so it's collaborative um mm-hmm. and uh i mean that it sat with me like mm-hmm. i don't know how well i took it at the time i i likely became a fucking brat <laughs> <laughs> when we were shooting but it sticks with me now yeah yeah well, you had to get into character somehow right, right? <laughs> exactly um, yeah being a brat it plays in perfectly for a dutch i remember uh for the, the the character work stuff so a classic thing a lot of filmmakers do which is why if i had a child they would never be an actor ever because it's true that the most amazing moment uh to be captured on film is an honest moment especially for a child like if you can make their reaction actually real inside their body like that's it um so they shot it in a um they shot it in the order. So they, you know, they brought me in, the director and Ed both did it. And there was just one producer uh, that had done a lot of um, John Hughes films also. He was the one that wasn't involved. And I'll, I'll explain why. Um, but they, tr- they treated me very like they were my father because my dad wasn't around. So Ed and Peter, the director, very fatherly. And, you know, mm-hmm. took me in and friends and bought, made me a part of the team. And then when we get to the end where I'm dejected and like I feel abandoned and the heartbreak and all that stuff, 
<laughs> they uh the night before we shot that scene um they called me down um to the the hotel restaurant and sat me down and the, the peter the director and ed and they they said that we're no longer friends you have you 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 don't earn our friendship anymore you've become something that we can't associate with anymore wow <laughs> she's like oh <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, it worked. And then um, the other time they 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 used a real reaction was um, when we're outside the gas station, and uh, uh, we have just been abandoned by E.G. Daly and Ari Myers. And uh, uh, so I, you know, I was a kid, like I was super religious you know like uh, i have not been exposed to this stuff before right. and the previous day um they were trying to figure out how to get my drool on eg to look like <laughs> drool you know and the the prop guy had like a spray bottle of water and it looked like water you know and the director was like this is not it doesn't have any it's it needs to be sticky. It's not working. Yeah. This is just water. Who drools water? And he was pissed <laughs> and it was cold and getting late. So um, Ari uh, said, come here, honey, just, just spit on my tits. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it as good as yesterday. Um, and uh, so that was my introduction to things like that. And welcome um, to the world. son. <laughs> <laughs> And it led into so, you guys having that heartwarming moment over you getting horny. So that scene, the next day, um, he was, I, I vividly remember he's off camera and it's just my shot. And the whole crew is there behind Ed off camera. And he starts talking about that moment, you know, and you, they didn't use his, the things he was saying to me in my you know they just use the you get horny line but mm -hmm. the, you can see my face just explode with blush you know because the whole crew is standing there like yeah you got your first boner yeah. <laughs> right. well it's like you guys are finally connecting and there's this really sweet it's coming up and then it's like yeah because i got horny it's mm -hmm. just the yep. funniest thing <laughs> yeah because they forced me to say it like they all started talking about my boner mm. and then they all got quiet and they're like, say your line. <laughs> Very clearly remember it. It was real blush. <laughs> well, one, It'd be hard to forget. <laughs> one of the, there's a lot of great things about Dutch and I, I know the three of us will all agree. Yeah. I understand that from the outside, it could look like, you know, it's like a snotty little kid who's being dragged on a road trip somewhere. He doesn't want to go. But the thing is, if you really look at Dutch, there are a lot of layers to the onion in this movie that I, that I pick up at least from the get go. Of course, Doyle's dad, he's, he's introduced in the beginning scene at the dinner party and you see right away, he's, clearly a jerk and he doesn't care really about anyone but himself. So it's, it goes without saying that Doyle's going to have a little bit of an attitude problem because he looks up to his dad and he's almost been sure. like groomed to have this sort of air about him. But you see from the beginning that Doyle's really not a bad kid. He's just sort of misled and you get glimpses of a little bit of sweetness and there's empathy in there because when he's on the phone with his mother and all the kids are throwing the airplanes at him, you can clearly see that he's 
hurt and dejected by this. And yeah. poor influences, quick, horrible influences. Yeah, exactly. And pretty quick into the movie and into the road trip, you see him sort of warm up a little bit. And that's what, what I mean by like, there's so many different layers to this movie and the characters because he Dutch obviously presents like the nudie playing cards and fireworks and right. Doyle, who is like very proper and, been led down a path of acting one specific way he sees that there's other things in this world and it kind of you can see it peak in his brain like oh this is there's fun to be had in this world as well and How did, working for your money like the yeah. the idea that he that uh, dutch wants to show that you can do it you don't have to mm-hmm. you don't have to have your dad's credit card to get by you, you right. can work for your money you know the economic so, element of it so knowing that there was obviously these layers to Doyle as a character, what, how did you go into different scenes with that thought in mind? Because you played it so well and it's not a one tone character. There's so many different things. And Doyle kind of goes back and forth between being a little bit snotty, but being like a very sweet kid and showing he cares. And then kind of going back, like it's almost like if you give him a foot, he's going to like take a mile out of it. So how did you go into like preparing for some of that, some uh, of those. You know, I think, I think that it was a, a lot of that sort of stuff was on the page. Like that's the brilliance mm-hmm. of John Hughes, like character arc. He, he's a master at it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so a lot of that stuff, the, not only the characters, the individual characters of Doyle and Dutch, but also their relationship. Um, the way that they, all three of those things change at the same mm-hmm. time to get to the end result. Cause you've got, you know, you got Doyle that's, uh, very defensive and, um, abandoned and lashing out and thinking that his father is the good example. You've got Dutch that, um, is really working too hard to gain, um, approval from this kid trying to make a point, you know, mm-hmm. Um, so they're both putting on this act and they, they both let their guard down at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like by the time you get to the homeless shelter, um, they're both more at their true character, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's interesting too, because you can almost see Doyle fighting his character development. Like every time he starts to get better, he's just like, no, like I'm not no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then he wrecks a car or something. You know what I mean? But right. yeah, that's the interesting thing is the ups and downs and then the end result. Well, even in the scene when you guys are in the hotel and Doyle has to walk uh, to the hotel <laughs> right. from the snow. Yeah. And he, he says he wants to go get his bag from the car, but he drives the car out and you know right. essentially has it crushed by a semi. And once Dutch realizes Doyle's alive, thank God, he says he says something to to Dutch but with tears in his eyes he says now we're even and you can see that he's not happy about what he just did but there was like that upbringing made him think like I have to prove a point to this guy I have to prove that I can beat him I don't feel good about it but there's something in my character that tells me I need to do that but you can see like the walls when he he's like has tears in his eyes he realized what he did wasn't a good thing and that it clearly hurt this man who's probably trying like you said maybe too hard to get it get into his good graces but you see the wall start to crumble pretty early on there i feel like 
like like like tab said he's fighting his character like i want to be nice but i'm not supposed to what do i do here i'll go wreck a car but then i'm gonna feel like an idiot about it and you just so there's like that there's so many layers to these characters is my opinion like there's so many things you can pick up and take away from what's going on in this movie i think that's a that's mainly that's a testament to john hughes you know and why I personally miss him so much and wish mm-hmm. that he had continued mm-hmm. making movies, you know, um, there's the Molly Ringwald, right. That talked about him at, was it mm-hmm. Molly? I think right? so. Yeah. Was, Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also stuff about, uh, there's, uh, John had a, a pen pal that he communicated with, um, and that's been they're they're on the internet. You can read these letters about why he stopped, um, and like seeing because he he felt like telling stories of kids um, uh, was his strong suit. Mm-hmm. But he was he was witnessing what were happening to these kids that he was working with, and he didn't want to continue doing that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I I really wish that we we could have seen more John. He stopped. He was young, man. He was so mm-hmm. young when he stopped. Um, and he could still easily be doing films today. Um, sure. As such a big fan of of John Hughes, when you watch this movie back, what's your favorite part? Like as part of the audience, like when you're watching the flick, what part do you like? capture it captures your heart you know it's you know it's hard because it's when i watch it it's tied to my experience you know Mm -hmm. for me it's it's tied to the things that i remember um so the stuff like the 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 fireworks store that Mm -hmm. day in tennessee um or uh the diner with the menus that stick together (laughs) (laughs) what isn't gonna make me throw up yeah yeah that and even the 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 second diner where he asks if my water looks tasty um, (laughs) (laughs) we uh when we were shooting that uh it the i remember stopping to watch the first gulf war footage Mm. like we were there and 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 everybody stopped because there was a TV on mute in the corner, you know. So everybody stopped working, and we turned the TV up and and watched that first invasion of Iraq. That's heavy, um, that's wow. heavy stuff. Yeah, so yeah, so it's like. And then the second time Ed and I worked together was when we went back there, um, mm-hmm. like very similar. Uh, so those sort of things stick out when I watch it, and then of course. Ari Myers, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got, that's got to be a part of memory. <laughs> so, in this movie, obviously, the the dad is played by Christopher McDonald, and I want to mm-hmm. ask you your take on it. For decades now, how is it that he's just so good at playing that like jerky adult male? And he's he, so great too. He's such a good dude. I've worked yeah, with him he, a couple of times since, and he's so sweet and rad. Yeah. You know, he just has that down so well. Like obviously, Dirty Work is a movie. I, I'm a huge like diehard Don Rickles fan. So if he's on there making fun of someone, I'm in. But he he's a jerk in that. Obviously, Shooter McGavin. Everyone knows that's like iconic for him. But Dutch was like one of the earlier glimpses. It seemed like of him playing that 
like aggressive kind of not very nice adult male. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously we don't know him personally, but he does do that so well. It's like when you think of him, you think of that sort of attitude being mm-hmm. brought right. to the screen. Yeah. Cause he's got such nice skin. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he's a you very know? good looking gentleman. I mean, you, you can't is. say that he's yeah. not. Yep. You that I mean, I, forehead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, from the pinky ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I don't I don't follow uh Christopher McDonald personal news, but I would mm-hmm. be I would be surprised if there's evidence against my belief that he is a very kind um, mm-hmm. and and enjoyable dude. We did another movie together, really small independent, um but it was great to see him again. Uh back in like 2005 or eight or something like that. We did a movie together. Um, uh, what was uh, what was that one called? 5150. Um, tiny independent about, I play like a gambling addict. I think they sold it to lifetime. Um, mm. You know. So throughout the movie, we're obviously led to believe as is Doyle. And you kind of talked about this a little bit a minute ago, but I want to get into it more just because it's, it's a really big point in the movie, but it's all, if you blink or like you get up to go get a drink, you're going to miss it. But throughout the whole movie, Doyle believes that Dutch is just kind of like a working class. Like he doesn't have, he's not well to do. He does, he hasn't done a lot with his life. He wants my mom's money. Yep. Exactly. Right. Like he's just out yep. for the wrong things, but yep. really quickly, like as we're approaching the end of the film, you, the camera goes by the giant construction site and you yeah. realize, Oh, he's not just like, he's not a, right. there's nothing against it. That's not what I'm saying. He's not hammering the nails. He's, a, he's owning the company of all the people doing all this and, work. And he started by hammering the nails. Exactly. Yeah. So he worked his yeah. ass off and got to a point yeah. where he's comfortable in life and he's doing quite well, but he's just not braggadocious about it. Obviously he's a, he's lower. Right. And then he even offers that family who gives you guys the ride home a job. Because yeah, you, yep. you meet that great family at the shelter, and he says, yep. "Call me, we'll take care of you." Mm-hmm. And it, it shows that Dutch isn't only a good guy for Doyle, but he's a good guy overall. And it's almost like you finally realize, like Doyle had him pegged wrong the whole time. Right. It's amazing that how the and that's again, it's just another layer pe- peeling back where you're like, "Oh my gosh, look at this! We were led to believe one thing and." He's actually a much better person and well, not to say a better person, but he's much more well off and he's not out for the wrong intentions. Yeah. He's just a good dude. I think that too, again, is like a a hand to um, John Hughes because the way that he introduces the character to the audience at first is by making him a little crass, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, he he has him try too hard and like singing the, um, the, the song when we're driving that might be one of my favorite scenes <laughs> have you ever seen a night so blue stars so begin to cry that, that is so great <laughs> <laughs> i love it um uh but that again is a testament to john hughes because he doyle learns that as the audience learns it mm-hmm. you know um, because there could be a question like, okay, is Dutch just doing this because she's loaded? We haven't seen uh, uh, that Dutch is really well off and doing great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he he admits that he's a working class guy, you know? Yeah, he's proud of it. 
yeah, he's proud of it. Um, but somehow from the beginning, because of the way he conducts himself, you're already on his side. You already don't expect him to be trying to take advantage of anybody. Right, right. He's clearly the the good guy, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is in classic. That's the protagonist, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Homeschool. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think those. that's kind of touching what I was talking about earlier about how the three elements of the relationship um, have their own movement that all meet together at the same time and, you know, and solidify what they are like at the, you see what it's going to be at the Thanksgiving dinner, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's a strong bond. Um, Everybody's being their genuine self. I'm stoked that he's going to ask my mom to marry, you know, Mm -hmm. like go get me that ring out of my pocket. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna. Yeah. He's gotta pay you back. With the me yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, How was the physical comedy aspect of the movie for you? I loved it. It was great, man. In the like, it uh, it's funny. You wouldn't think about it, but there was a lot of stunts. Like mm-hmm. the the stunt dude on the show was was a uh, uh, he he was a solid staple on the set. Um, Cause you've got those, the, the tricks when Ed, the classic at the time, that was the John Hughes move for flipping up and landing on your back. Mm. That's a pretty big stunt. Like a grown man jumping as high as he can and landing straight on his back on the concrete. Um, mm-hmm. The car accident. Um, yeah. The car accident's got to be a massive undertaking. That was for huge. A day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you, they they flipped a car off of a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even the fireworks scene, I'm assuming you got it. Yeah. That plays right into a stunt level task yep. as well, right? Because you got people on set and explosives going off. So yep. there's a yep. lot of precautions that go into it. People don't probably think of that. They just see, oh, fun fireworks. But there's a lot that goes into stuff like this. Even the hockey stick. Like when he's oh, yeah. me up on the hockey stick, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. they, they, they made a full harness vest for me and hidden in the ties that he used to tie me up were these steel cables attached to the hockey stick. Um, and then like when I'm in the back seat and he's slamming on the brakes and I'm smashing, like there was, there was a solid stunt every other day on mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the stunt guy, he, uh, he was legendary buddy, Joe hooker. Um, he ran the company, uh, stunts unlimited. Mm. I don't think buddy is long. I think he's passed since then. Um, but his family has carried on the stunts unlimited, uh, name. They're massive. Now they're just like, that's, that's the company stunts unlimited. Um, and at the time it was just a family run thing, you know? Wow. Um, we can't beat that. That's about as cool as it gets. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, supporting an actual family run business, essentially doing yeah these big production stunt situations. Yeah. And awesome. they became global. They're massive now that stunts unlimited is the, like they have a school they run and stuff like that. Oh, very cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, oh, go ahead, Tom. Oh, I was uh, one of my other favorite parts of the or aspects of the film. And I was curious if you know, if this is in the script or if this is something that Ed did on his own, but I love that he rarely ever calls you Doyle. It's That's always like Dobby right. or, you know, yeah. variation Dobby. of D. <laughs> Duncan. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do- Doobsy. Yep. All of that. Eight. Yeah. It was all in there. 
It's all, that was all scripted, huh? It was all in there. Yep. Man, John Hughes. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's the yep. best running joke in that. <laughs> Until the very end when they finally like each other and have that connection, he calls him by his real name. Yep. Hey, Doyle, go get that thing out of my pocket. I got, yeah. 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 It's good stuff. I wish I had a copy. I mean, maybe I do. I have a box. We had to go to extraordinary means to get our own copies for this, <laughs> this yeah. week. But I meant the script. I used to have. Oh, I, the I have, script. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've got some scripts from back in the day. Um, there might be a Dutch script in the garage. Maybe that would be rad. That would be yeah, really, that would be cool. really cool. cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask too, now the holidays are coming up and obviously you're in two early nineties, classic holiday flicks. And uh, what are some of the holiday flicks you like to watch? Like, you know, that you grew mm. up with or new classics. I mean, it's that time of year. Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, nice. That's, That's right. number one in our All house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it's funny. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was the my when I was growing up. That was my classic Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. We were just um, saying there aren't enough Thanksgiving movies. I yeah. feel like there's a lot of yeah, Christmas not, movies, but there's only a couple Thanksgivings. Yeah, it's true. It's weird too because you've got you know Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving too. So mm-hmm. that's at least, at least a good one. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if there's only a few, at least they're good ones. Like Christmas movies are a dime a dozen. There's, you, there's so many of them, but Thanksgiving movies. Yeah. It's hard to find them. Yeah. I'm racking my head trying to think of one. It, Cause for me, Thanksgiving always meant, um, uh, the twilight zone marathon oh, yeah, right? at, at my mm-hmm. Nana's house, you know, that's the best yeah. part too. You never know which episode's going to come up. Is it going to be the one I want? You don't want to walk away just in case the one you're hoping for is like the next one down the line. Yeah. Yep. And you're just sitting there in your Nana's knitting room watching yeah. 20 episodes of Twilight Zone back to back yep. and back. We still do that every year. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Twilight Zone is so good. Those old just solid. Well, it, you got to be on the new Twilight Zone, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did. Pretty cool. Uh, I went and, yeah, that was, um, I was just thinking the other day um, how that experience, we shot that last about a year ago now, like Mm -hmm. right around a year ago. And the environment was so rad. Everybody on the crew was so amazing. The um, Peter, the director, he did a lot of the last man on earth. A lot of half hour comedy stuff. Um, such a lovely dude just so collaborative and joyful and talented and i was thinking because when you're when you can't work for nine months you start going back and realizing the things that you took for granted you Mm -hmm. know sure because now the way they're doing it they like until this is until we're past this moment um everything's broken down into pods now on sets. Um, and one pod will never interact with another pod. Hmm. So to me, that's a huge part of mm-hmm. this industry yeah, is that collaborative. Yeah. 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 Everybody common purpose, you know, mm-hmm. and is that great common purpose is, start? 
Oh, sorry. So, no, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, is Grace and Frankie going to start recording again soon, or is that on the that's horizon? That's the plan. That's the plan. Yes. Um, I, I don't think soon. Um, we we were going to go in January, and uh, knowing what every scientist in America was predicting, I thought that that was probably too soon. Um, yeah. Well, especially, you know, with a, with an older cast, it's just, you yes. don't want to take any risks, right. yes. you know, yes. we don't want to lose any legends over this or any more. No. Nope. Absolutely not. And sets like they're going to, they're going to have to figure out a new way to do this because mm-hmm. like sets are Petri dishes. They're fucking disgusting. Food and everything yeah. out. And it just, it's, I've seen some shows they're starting back up and I just, I can't imagine making those shows have to be so much work anyway. And then adding yeah. in the element of let's not spread this virus. It's gotta be so yeah. difficult. My, my wife, Sunny had a movie that she was supposed to start on Tuesday and they, they shut down. Somebody got sick. Um, oh, the, the shame about it. Yeah. This, the, the, the hard thing. So if you look back maybe 10 years since we've gotten digital, uh, filmmaking equipment, um, uh, the, the film alone for Dutch, just the film, buying it, processing it, and editing it, I, I mean, north of half a million dollars just wow. for the film, you wow. know? Intense. Um, and so when, when digital cameras became good enough to replace that, that, that expense, it, it opened up all of these lower budget independent movies. It, it, it brought access to people without, you know, millions of dollars. You could cheap thrills. We made cheap thrills for $135,000. Like, Seriously? Wow. That would Not never happen. A low budget. Yeah, flip. Like no money, none. Um, and this is going to hurt that for a little <laughs> while because like the, the film Sonny was going to do was another uh, skim budget horror thing. And they, they have to cut, um, they have to cut job positions so that they can pay for people to get tested three times a week. Um, yeah. I wanted so to ask, hopefully- I mean, we were originally just talking about Dutch, but since it's kind of gone a little bit off topic, um, you, most of your career, I mean, you did some serious stuff obviously along the way, but you're generally known for your comedic roles. I would say yeah, sure. you're really good at it. We all appreciate the humor. Um, how did you enjoy doing some horror though? Like, was that fun for you? I love it. I love it. I saw you're wearing the devil's candy shirt. Mm. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, I remember when you mentioned, you know, on social media or whatever, that it was coming out because it was an independent, didn't have a big release. We yep. pre-ordered it like as soon as we could. And the flick is horrifying in the best it's possible. It's pretty dark. Yeah, it's, it's pretty dark. It's, it's dark. And, and I'm, I'm, I have an artist background. So watching all the painting and the things happening, it just, I was wondering like how much you enjoyed that or if you might do more in the future. I would love, I mean, I, to me, the, the similarities, uh, between comedy and a horror or a thriller is to me, my job is to, uh, um, motivate an emotional reaction out of you guys, whether that emotional reaction is laughter 
or fear. Um, those two, to me, those two emotional reactions are the most powerful that I can trigger, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's, they're so powerful that if you're standing in a room watching an audience laugh, you can, you can physically see their bodies, uh, having that emotion. If you sit in an audience and you watch 50 people get scared off their ass, you can physically see like their body language. And that to me is like success. And they're right on the edge of each other, those two emotions. And in that flick, you know, the little girl, she, she gave us some of the hilarity. She was fantastic. Little metalhead. So good. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, So I, I, it's funny. I, I don't think I'm very funny, you know? Um, I definitely think I'm, I think my strong suit is being serious, mm. you know? Um, anything that is funny is accidental. Like, I didn't mean to do it very rarely. Every time I try to do something funny, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, like some serious stuff that doesn't get much play anymore. I mean, Dancer Texas Population 81, That's that was a good, serious... That's a deep cut. That is a deep cut, Tabitha. Yeah. <laughs> That's a B-side. That you, is a B-side you, talk about trying to find Dutch. You can't find that fucking movie anywhere. Oh, you want to know a funny story about Dancer Texas? Okay. Absolutely. So, uh, I was at one of those like Hollywood corporate parties, like Nike or PlayStation. Mm-hmm. We'll throw a big party and invite everybody they can for the thing, and you get a free PlayStation. And the strokes will play. So <laughs> I went to one of those um, leading up. It was 1999. Um, I don't know exactly what point of 99, but I do know that it was um, uh, it, it was uh, uh, it was already down to Gore and George Bush. And um, uh what was Jenna, right? Is Jenna the older Jenna Bush, his daughter that was a little bit in the the tabloids. She was there. Oh, so she was there cutting loose. (laughs) Yeah, she was there. So we were outside and I know who she was because I follow politics like a, uh, like a maniac. Um, And we started talking and, um, and it was friendly banter, you know? And, uh, I said something about going back to war in, in Iraq. And she said, ha ha ha, he's not my granddad, whatever. Um, wow. <laughs> um, uh, 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 it left by saying, Oh, Hey, um, I just want you to know my dad, uh, maybe it was right. A- no, this was right after the election. That's right. This was right after he was already president. Mm-hmm. So this was 2000. This was 2000 because she said, um, this was before 9-11, but he was president. That's right. That's right. Because she said, my dad has four movies on Air Force One that he plays on repeat, and Dancer Texas is one of them. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't think I'd ever have any interest in common with that man. <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? You know? That's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. How did you walk away from that conversation knowing? Because obviously you do follow politics and so you were aware of what was going on in the world and you're like, wow, this man is watching. He really is as stupid as he looks. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Was one of the other ones uh, pizza? 
No, no, I don't think so. I, yeah, no. I think because that was that pizza. That was a little later. Yeah, that was later. Pizza was post 9 11. I just had to laugh because that yeah. movie's silly. Because he's going for the deep cuts. He's, you yeah. were going deep cuts. That's what you were doing. Well, we, yeah, we actually own pizza, believe it or not. We do <laughs> own that movie. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, I like um, 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 Kylie, um, mm. uh, the lead. Uh, yeah, that was fun, mate. That was one of those. That was one of the first can we make a movie for under $300,000? There was a, mm. there was a guy that had a million bucks, um, a New Yorker. And he had this idea that we can make three movies for this million dollars because of the new Canon camera. Um, mm-hmm. And it was pizza um, 13, something 13 up or 13, the movie that was about like uh, angsty 13 year old girls. Um, and then there was one more. Uh, yeah. Anyway, nineties. No, that would be two thousands. That would yeah, be the wild, early. wild west of the two thousands. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a funny thing. Cause uh, c- when Cody and I met, we already enjoyed your movies independently of each other. And it's just been such a staple in our household. Cause you know, that's some fun stuff. I, it, it's fun for me too. So it's good to hear that it's fun for you guys. Yeah. You we know? appreciate yeah. all the entertainment that you have supplied for us over the years. I appreciate you guys uh, taking advantage of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, uh, going back to Dutch real quick, mm-hmm. um, moving towards the end of the film here as you playing Doyle, how did you feel, you know, with the whole wrap up and how everything came to be, this how the story came out. Just how did what was your thoughts? You know, maybe as a, even as a child when you first see the movie, how do you feel watching this product and seeing how the whole story, you know, beginning, middle, end, and how it all wrapped up? What was your takeaway from it? Uh, originally, it was it was really scary, mm-hmm. you know, because that well, was seeing, my first. Seeing yourself on on screen like that as a little kid, very it's scary. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very scary. And I, I felt the weight of the responsibility of it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think it's all, I don't think that's changed at all. Um, I think when I first watch stuff, I, I don't do it much anymore. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Unless, unless I hear it's like cheap thrills. People love this. Like mm-hmm. you've got to watch this with an audience. Then I'll say, okay. And I'll go and I'll watch but not to watch the movie, I'll go to watch the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's got to be fun to see people's reactions. It's the best. It's the absolute best. Um, well, that movie I don't is, ha- I was just saying, that movie has so many different elements to it, too, where it's funny and yeah. then it's cringy. It's a wild yeah. ride. And it's like, yeah. what the yeah. hell just happened? Like, oh, my, <laughs> yeah. they're really going to go further than this? Wait, they're taking you even further now? Mm-hmm. Like, And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So I can imagine that the reaction in person is like, wow, that's a lot going on because you think like they can't go further than that. And then they, they do. Mm-hmm. And right, it just keeps right. going crazier and crazier, but in yeah, like the best that. possible way. You go, wow, I did. I, I walked into this thinking it was a very different movie and walked out going, that was amazing. <laughs> same, same exact scenario for me on that one too, because when I first read that, I was having a hard time financially. Like it was bad. It was really bad. And I read this and I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is, I can attach myself. I wanted to play Pat Healy's character, you know, Mm. 
because I identified so much with him. And um, I met the director and the producer, and uh, they said, they, "They said you're 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 Vince. You're not him. Like, look at you. You're big and built. You're not 14 mm-hmm. anymore. You're the Vince." Um, mm-hmm. so, okay, so I switched, but I was looking at that as just straight dead serious dark you know mm-hmm. is how i read it um mm-hmm. and then they they hadn't cast david yet and they cast david keckner and the director called me up he's like boom we got our dude we got keckner and um, i was like oh that's the movie <laughs> oh tone changes immediately at that point immediately immediately and i liked it even more i was like fuck yeah because we can still make this dark we can still make this about the economy but mm-hmm. we can make people fucking laugh their asses off too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh shit! Did uh, I just laugh at that? Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he so has a, yeah. <laughs> he has a wild ability as a as an actor to twit like be twisted yet hilarious at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's he great. Has, he can branch between those two like crazy. It's it's phenomenal what he can do, and that cheap thrills really is like a a classic in my opinion. It's such a fun movie to watch. In so many ways, because you walk away like I laughed, I cringed, I had to look away a couple times, but damn, that was a fun ride. And that's what you want yeah. when you go do something like this. When you it makes you out. start to go, what would I do for that? You know, like once the money starts coming in, like totally. where is that line? Absolutely. Exactly. We've all been there. Yep, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it all depends personally. My answer to that question is it all depends on who the subject is. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if, if I can find a reason, I'm okay with it. You know, if I can justify that, cool, no problem. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like how in horror films, they they give you a little bit of a, this person's kind of a dick, so then you don't feel too bad when they... Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But yeah, as far as Dutch, watching Dutch, I... I don't remember the first time that I watched it, but I do know now watching it, knowing that people um, like that, it's a part of people's traditions. I have a lot of um, there's a lot of affinity for it. And also just, you know, knowing John Hughes, man, and, and my relationship with Ed, uh, Mm -hmm. I got to go, I saw him, uh, the, uh, the makeup lady on Grace and Frankie that's been with us for a long time is the head makeup lady on um, Modern Family. Mm. Uh, and I hadn't seen Ed for like 10, 15, maybe more years. Oh. Um, and she had me come by on uh, on their last day of filming. Oh, wow. They were wrapping it up. And, and it just worked out perfectly where they had called in Ed too soon. And so he was in his trailer for like two hours, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I got to go in and I found this, I found the, it wasn't technically Mondo, but it, it was an artist, like an artist rendition of the Dutch poster. You know, mm-hmm. I found it online and I got him a copy. It's funny. <laughs> I brought it in and he's like, what are you, what is it? What do you got? And I unrolled it. I was like, it's a, it's a Dutch. And he was like, Oh, Oh, and then he re- then he tied it together. Oh shit, that's Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed oh. a little bit since then. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, 
but then we sat and we hung out for like an hour and a half and uh he talked about his family and and work and told some stories about making the movie and then talked about making dragnet and how crazy mm-hmm. that was um yeah so it was good to see him again that dude nice i hope that guy is seriously enjoying the fruits of his labor he uh i got one great ed story um because he you know we talked about it earlier like he created the network fox and what is, it, is it abc or nbc or whatever abc uh, ABC. Yeah. ABC. Yeah. so he's been the cash cow for fucking disney tv now for 11 right. years mm-hmm. like the, the amount that that it's just crazy i'm sure um but he doesn't spend it he just doesn't you know he has i heard he has the same porsche that he had when we were doing dutch um, oh wow i mean he's basically dutch basically yeah essentially um yeah. and uh he told me this story when I was in his trailer. He, uh, he lives, you know, he lives in, in Los Angeles and he lives on a cul-de-sac and it's this beautiful house that he's had for 20 plus years, you know? And he found out that his neighbor was considering moving. So before the house went on the market, he picked it up. So now he, Oh my God. Yeah, and it's he's it's just empty. It's chilling. He just doesn't want anybody living next door to him. You know, <laughs> That's, I, I can relate to that. Absolutely. You guys have neighbor problems so, on your own. So <laughs> rad. So mm-hmm. rad. Yeah, that's like a dream come true right there just yeah, buy up all the sure land right and just, and in okay, san diego all the houses are like on top of each other yeah. so we yeah. can relate yeah. hard well la is probably pretty similar with the how close every and obviously there are some places with bigger estates but it's yeah it's they just keep cramming people in over in california southern california everyone wants to be here yep. so they build in and cramming us in that's why i went to georgia yeah ethan can i ask you a very different question do it <laughs> i keep seeing that rifle over your shoulder and i'm, I'm very interested in it can you tell me my about henry it? That's yeah my henry that's my that's my colt 45 henry uh that's awesome. i moved to georgia so you've got to get you know yeah like i'm I, I, uh, I think that we need, uh, to severely, uh, restrict the ease and ability that an American citizen has to buy a firearm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that is like, if you need more than seven rounds, you (laughs) need it to move faster than you can move that lever. What are you doing? (laughs) Right, right, right. right. You know, Mm -hmm. like, dude, get get better at it. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I, I wanted so, yeah. to ask because I'm from I'm from a family that you know we we were raised with guns, and so I, I agree with you. Stricter laws, I'm in favor of all that stuff, but I, I grew up with them. I love them, and I just it caught my eye. Like I said, I kept looking staring. I was like, I want to know more about that. I mean, it's and I got the box for Valentine's Day. Sonny got mm-hmm. the, the the red velvet and the solid walnut box. Classy. The one thing I'll show you. So that's a Bobcat, and they're not mine yet. So I do. Uh, in Georgia, um, wild boar is a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you can actually get a tax rebate if you bring a couple boar heads to the state, you know? Wow. So I'd like to go and, and grab a boar, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I had some great boar pasta when I was in Italy a few years back. Mm. So that's, I'd, there'll be a boar head on here 
before tax breaks. <laughs> tax breaks for boars. Toto, we are not in California anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> when does boar season begin in Georgia? Like I don't all- think there is a season. You don't, need, you don't need a license. You don't. Oh need, wow! You just get them. No, you just go <laughs> and get them. Yep. Right. Wild. The only so they just run. Is you've got to you've got to find the land to, to mm-hmm. do it on. Yeah, you can't be running my next city, goal, right? But that's the thing too, man. Like so, the craziness with the election. I went to our capital um, on Saturday, the day that uh, most networks called. Uh, Biden. Oh, so you got uh, to see all of that. Oof. Whoa, and it's That's it's it's crazy in Georgia because you know it's an open carry state, mm-hmm. so you have your um, pro-Trump uh, or as we like to call them now, anti-democracy protesters. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And then right across the street were the. Uh, anti-fascists and then there was a few of those um the not fucking around crew those guys mm-hmm. the black militia and fully loaded up to the teeth you know like uh, you know uh bandoliers and mm-hmm. one antifa dude had a, a semi-automatic uh pistol grip shotgun he was rocking wow. it's frightening it's yeah, frightening it's, it's scary even to hear about it let alone be there they had uh, they had the counter protesters down the street a little bit uh, at the corner. They were keeping them from going directly across the street. Um, and I left when the Georgia State Troopers said, "You can go ahead and move up." I saw them all moving directly. I was like, "Bye, bye, <laughs> <laughs> bye." I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. But oddly enough. Because of that, so there's in Los Angeles, my son tells me he's still living in Los Angeles. And he tells me that there's been similar things in Tahunga, um, which is a working class suburb of Los Angeles. We're at a, a big five. There's a pro-Trump um, rally that happens every Friday or Thursday. And then across the street, there's counter protesters. And because this is because that's not what you see more than once it's turned to blows. Like people will cross the street, start getting violent with each other, the, you know, clubs, bats, mace, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And as I was leaving the thing here in Georgia, having that presence probably kept it peaceful until it's not peaceful. You know, right. it's this weird, of course, once it turns sour, it's a lot more sour than it should ever be. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. here in our uh, the the city that we live in, we had a Black Lives Matter walk, and I had to go. Yeah. I I wanted to be a part of that, be, be part of the history of it. And there was definitely like some outsiders that were standing off to the side that looked like they were yeah. maybe up to no good. And it was peaceful the whole time. And once everyone just started walking, it was nice to see those kind of, there were some scary looking individuals, not masked up, not following any guidelines. And yeah. they just sort of walked to their car and took off. I don't know if they were right. there just to be like, Oh, is something going to pop off and we can have some fun here. And once right. they saw everyone's no, we're here for love. We're here for peace. They were like, well, there's nothing for right. us here. Took off. And it's right. like, well, yeah, get out of here. Right. Good riddance. Bye. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I hopefully things stay, um, Nonviolent over mm-hmm. the next few months. Um, Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. It's definitely better than we expected. 
Like I thought sure if it went the way we were all hoping it went and thank God it did, uh, that it was going to get gnarly, but so far it hasn't been bad, which is good. It hasn't. Um, I'm wondering if, because it was a slow release over five days instead Mm -hmm. of an instant Mm -hmm. overnight occurrence, maybe that played into it. Uh, or maybe we just haven't seen it yet. So, yeah. Well, let's yeah. hope it's the yeah. first one. Yeah, let's hope yeah. it's that one. <laughs> I try to be oh, hopeful. Good. It's it's been hope hard for the last four years, but we're finally getting a little bit of hope. So we're just hope is good. On hope that. is a good thing. Hope is a good thing. Yeah. I um, had uh, one more question. Talking what do you got, Tabitha? Career stuff. Uh, you've done so much, obviously, through your career. What is your favorite thing to be? recognized for like to talk about like you have a lot of things that i'm sure you're just like i've heard them a million times but like if someone wants to talk to you what's what's something you enjoy chatting about that is 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 some fun it 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 might be dutch you know it's either it's it's funny it's either dutch or devil's candy mostly you know um uh i think because dutch means so much to me personally with Mm -hmm. the experience um and then also devil's candy for the same reason because it was just physically insane um, mm-hmm. yeah there's I'm, some I'm, scenes with you in there that are taxing yeah. i can imagine yeah and i'm not like i i think i probably lost 45 to 50 pounds so i was an emotional wreck too um, I bet. uh but so talking about those that's but all of it really because yeah. it you when someone says something it's 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 such a it's such a compliment it's so gratifying like you know when like you'll somebody'll just say hey my dad and I watched that thing you do so many times and he passed so now whenever I watch the movie and that was what we did together I just want you to, and it's just like yeah. It means like it's great because that that makes what I do for a living mean so much more than how I view it because I view it like I just need to pay rent, you know. Mm-hmm. But when well, then you actually do the the uh the get together with the Oneeders for yeah, charity, yeah. that was really cool. How much great. did you guys enjoy doing that? That was really great. And the fact that it was totally organic and just you know, it was just us. It was really all of that started just, um, Tom and Steve were talking because, um, um, God, total mind fart, the, 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 the writer of the song. Yeah. You guys, cause uh, you used it as a charity for yeah, yeah, the uh, music writer that had just passed, right? Yeah. For he just, why am I, I'm so, I'm so drawing a mind fart on his name, but he was one of the early deaths in New York from COVID. But we did it in his name for music cares. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's 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 put something together. And so it was it was just the four of us and Tom's brother in law knew how to link Zoom and YouTube together, you know? Was it uh, and, Adam Schlesinger? Yes, yes, Adam. Yes. I butchered his Schlesinger, Schlesinger. Um, but yeah, they were Tom and Steve were just talking right after he passed, and they said we should figure out something. Mm. 
And then Tom's brother-in-law figured out the technical side of it. And then I just like out of the blue, because we were going back and forth, who should the charity go to? You know, we're like music cares. And they all knew music cares and what great things they do. So we picked that. And so I just called the music cares helpline off the internet, you know, just randomly said, Hey, we're doing this thing. And we want to, we want to do it for you guys. We're going to watch a movie that we all made in the nineties called that thing you do. And the lady on the other end was like, wait, who is this? Ethan, uh, <laughs> Ethan Embry. Oh my God. Here, come on. Boom. Immediately. Like, like I picked the one person that would totally want to get this going. Yeah. <laughs> he built all the portals and then the, uh, uh, Mondo, the, the art company that, mm-hmm. uh, they, they're working on the soundtrack. So they had, they had just received the first test pressing. So they auctioned that off on eBay and it was just great. And, Nobody lost their internet service. And right. Yeah. And you guys YouTube have to kick us just off. to the side enough yeah. that uh-huh. no, no kicked us off the next morning. <laughs> we did get an infringement. We got, but it was uh, the next day. So mission accomplished. Yeah. No harm, is no it, foul. Is that something you'd want to do? Because COVID is obviously affecting everyone and it's hard to, like everyone's stuck at home. Is that something that you'd want to do more throughout this time? Like get together with people and do those kind of like watch party situations? <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, yes, I, uh, there's, I think there are a few more that would, that would be, go over well, you know, um, I'm definitely not opposed to them. Um, mm-hmm. like I did a, uh, just like a tweet along for empire records on mm-hmm. Rex Manning day. Um, but, and for that one, it, I think it'd be hard to get, all of the people that would make it really special together. Um, but, uh, I think I can't hardly wait. One would be kind of fun to do. Yeah, that'd be that cool. We, we got to see that yeah. when you guys did it at the Hollywood forever cemetery. That was a fun yeah, night. Was, oh, were you there? Oh, cool. Yeah, we were there. Sweet. Oh, that's yeah. rad. Yeah. Was that, did they, it was the slumber party night too. Wasn't it? Was that the night yeah. they did it all night? Yeah, it was like yeah. cruel intentions and scream, I think. And scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that funnily enough, night. Tom, the last episode of uh, Tom's show, he really, he really got a better guest this time because the last <laughs> episode of Tom's show was me and him just talking about Scream. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know. Why not? It was don't, sell your short, don't sell yourself short, <laughs> you know? Lots of fun, though. Yeah. They're making a new one, aren't they? I heard. Are they doing a new one? Yeah, they're doing I am cautiously one. optimistic. Yeah, with Naomi, right? Yeah. Uh, the yeah, the surviving members. I mean, four yeah. was pretty great. So let's 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 see yeah. what happens. I wonder who's directing it. I, don't, I haven't been following it that close. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. we lost Craven. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I auditioned for Scream back in the day, and I really which, liked uh, it. And, which character did you audition for? Uh, uh, for Lillard's for Matthew. Uh, really? Role. Wow. I can see that. Yeah. And I really wanted it, so yeah. I, it was one of those that I like pushed my agent to like well, give me a note i'll come back what is it and the note was wes craven is worried that you won't be able to control your epilepsy <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not epileptic well <laughs> tell mr craven that because he's convinced that Where you are you that information <laughs> wow <laughs> all right then. That's, a, that's quite a note yeah that's a wild <laughs> note 
if you think Ethan was too broad and you ended up with Lillard, like how broad must I have been? I'm <laughs> really going off. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he did he did kill it pretty hard, but oh, he slayed so, it. So he would you have? Absolutely slayed it. He That's absolutely it. slayed it. That movie another is perfect, exactly bit. the way it goes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. another one I had to sneak to watch because. My background is similar to yours, homeschooled, religious parents, not allowed to watch anything cool. Well, you were better at sneaking than I was because I didn't get to see <laughs> this stuff until much later. Yeah. I only got a couple under the radar, but at least they were the good ones. My parents had a, um, uh, he cut the cord from the television and then had an adapter put on it. So the prongs were all facing the wrong way. So you couldn't plug the TV into the wall without this special adapter oh that gosh. then made the prongs face right to go in the wow. TV. So that's some intense control. It was. That's going, yes, yeah, it that's was. going above and beyond to make sure you cannot watch screen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Nothing but those David and Goliath claymation cartoons. Oh, for <laughs> oh those were high quality. We that's had straight stuff. up Bible games on the Nintendo. Yep. Like they yep. wouldn't let us play Mario. We had to play. That's fucking right. three wise men sword games or whatever remember yeah. like you find the bible verse as fast as you can yes yeah. or the one you had to collect like the frankincense and myrrh faster than the other it was that's the that's the only stuff we got to play i have a hard time <laughs> believing these are even real video games <laughs> look honestly look it up so good even knows the great thing about it if you think about it the three wise men totally brought opium they totally yeah. brought oh, yeah. fucking opium, dude. Yeah, no question. Time. They were partying on. in the manger. They were they yeah. were having a party, mm -hmm. like without it's, a doubt. It's in the book, mm -hmm. dude. The aurora borealis is flying above. You got the opium. It's like a rave in that right. manger. Yes, it was. Yes, oh, there's was. no room at the end. So what? We're having a party in the hay. We're doing. It. That's right. Let's turn the water into wine, motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you want to have a party? Go ahead and he head into the inn with the chickens. We got wine and opium and it's all kinds of fun not. stuff out here. It's cool. Yeah. Tom, I do have any other official questions? I, I don't actually have any more questions. We've stolen your show. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This has been amazing. <laughs> what about you, Cody? Well, you know, yeah, I, I put together a lot of questions, but I think a lot of them were answered just through our conversations. Mm -hmm. Organically. One, yeah, yeah, one thing I want to bring up, because we're obviously talking about Dutch, uh, in my research, I saw you in 1992, you actually won the best young actor starring in a motion picture, a young artist award. Oh. <laughs> how, how must that have felt you're a child actor you you get into this big role and then you actually get an accolade for it like how does that how does that affect hot shit no. <laughs> <laughs> i do actually I, I do remember feeling like hot shit inappropriately that mm -hmm. night I, I remember i wore uh clear doc martens with checkered Ooh. socks um oh the night yeah, the '90s were pretty solid, uh, and that's what's her name. Um, she was in um, Jurassic Park, uh, blonde. Uh, went on to work a lot too. Um, the original. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, you know, she was in Star Wars, the newer Star Wars. Yeah, no, I'm trying to totally. I'm, try, I'm yeah. running on the name. None of us can remember names today. I don't no, know. I'm horrible. I'm horrible because we've lost our sh our social skills. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I and I think that was the first time I met. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah. Lord no, Dern. the the daughter. The daughter. Oh, but I oh the daughter. The daughter. Um, oh, the daughter. Yeah, the daughter. That would be. Hold on, Ariana Richards. 
and that like that would become like that was the first time I met a lot of them, and then would end up seeing them at audition. It was social, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I probably did some stupid speech. I wish we could find a video of that. I'm glad we can't. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the good things about us all like growing up in the eighties and nineties is the dumb shit we did. It, there's no evidence of it. Yeah. No one had smartphones or in like cameras in their pockets 24 hours a day. I got one more story for you. And then I got to walk my dog. Absolutely. Uh, totally. So, uh, in this, it, it made me think of it yesterday cause it was Leonardo DiCaprio's birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this ties into Dutch. Um, so uh, I went to Leo's 16th little birthday party that he had, small little gathering at his house. Um, and we didn't, I, I, I'd seen him around at auditions, but never knew each other. Um, and uh, the last time I had seen him was at the uh, test for This Boy's Life. And it was the two of us doing... Um, uh, I don't think De Niro wasn't there, but it was a camera test. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, uh, yeah, we met at the, this boy's life test, you know? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I auditioned for Dutch. I was like, really? Oh, oh cool. Really? Yeah. And he goes, I'm really glad I got the one I got. Leo Bird. Ouch. That's a pretty incredible way to end the end the end the conversation. Wow. (laughs) We're glad that you got Dutch. Can we just Yeah, glad I got it too. Yeah, we're glad glad that you have it too. And seriously, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to even Thanks for having me hang yeah, out it's with been us a real, blast, real treat for us and really like thank you so much for everything like you really have made all of our lives exponentially better with your work it's that's, true that's very kind and it's it's mutual that uh you guys enjoying it has made mine exponentially better too that's awesome it's awesome. a win-win we just we really appreciate you and yeah. we hope you last thing i wanted to say is i know you were a big fan of walking dead Ooh. And when we saw you were going to be on, we were so excited. Yep. And then you bit it. <laughs> they did it on right purpose. Away. That was the whole point. That was the whole yeah. point. Like, you know, let's bring in somebody, everybody, like, they're like, oh, cool, that guy. And then kill him. Because <laughs> yeah. it's a free death. It was pretty you know? brilliant. It was, it was well, brilliant. Yeah, we were like, okay, cool. We're going to have him now. We get to see him now. Yes. And then, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the clock. What just happened here? Like, that's not what we were here to. We didn't hope that happened. Dave Nicotero, like, the the showrunner for that, mm-hmm. is the coolest dude ever. He's he's a genius like, too. He's yeah. I'm so happy that he's found the insane success that he has through that because that guy's a rad dude. He is dope. That's awesome. Well, it was good stuff. It was it was a good kill. We liked it. Yeah. And really, thank you so much for your time. And we just yeah, hope absolutely the best during COVID. Yeah, and stay safe. Stay, stay safe. safe. We'll be yes, keeping you all of you guys too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ethan. We appreciate thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for thank having you. me. Be all right. Yes. You too. Thank you, you too. so much. Enjoy the holidays and everything. And, uh, tell yeah. Sunny we said Likewise. hi, and we appreciate it. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. Much love to you guys. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Bye. See ya. Bye. See ya. Where are you going? Home. How? I'm calling your mom. Enough of this. Wait a minute. It would really mean a lot to me. To not have to call my mother for help. 
You remember this? I still owe you one. You let me call your mom, I forget about it. No dice. This isn't working out. We're not masters of the highway. We were robbed by homebound hookers. Only because you fell asleep and I... Uh... Horny. You did? Sort of. Congratulations. Slap it. There you go. <laughs> See, I'm not such a bad guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you are, but I'm still going to get you home. Hey, and there you have it. That is the conversation. You may have heard it last year. Maybe this is your first time checking it out. That was the incredibly kind and generous and amazing Ethan Embry hanging out with myself, my my good friends Cody and Tabitha Thompson. Uh, Tabitha and Cody did an incredible job setting this all up, and and they really they really ran the show um, from start to finish. Uh, so many uh, amazing questions from from Cody and Tabitha, and and uh, I I can't thank them enough for for setting it up and and for letting you know and thinking of me, you know, making making this happen. And and uh, I am still so eternally grateful to them. Uh, and to Ethan for taking the time to uh, so much time out of his day to hang out with us and, and just shoot the breeze and, and uh, you know, keep three fans just so ins- to make three fans so insanely happy. <laughs> so I hope you've uh, had as much fun reconnecting with this episode as I did. Uh, again, I learned so much from it. And and again, I, I cannot thank Cody and Tabitha enough. They're they're the wealth of knowledge they have on Ethan Embry's career was I mean, they should be his his biographers. They should write the, the official book of Ethan Embry uh, because they know so much of it and they are such uh, good, incredible people and, and uh, awesome fans of his work. All right, I think we're going to get out of here because, again, this was a longer episode, but in the remix version, it's actually coming out shorter because I'm doing way less talking than I, I did at, at, the, uh, at the start and finish of the first time around. So, yeah, that's a good thing, right? You know, you don't need to hear from me. The, the star was Ethan. That's who we wanted to talk to, and that's who we got to talk to. So I want to go ahead. I didn't give it out at the beginning because, you know, I, again, I feel like people who are listening to this episode are, are, are uh, maybe you've heard it before, but I guess I, you, got, you got to give it out there. I'm, 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 I'm not doing my job correctly if I don't give out the social media handles because this is the TomCast podcast. My name is Tom, and I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to what I believe to be a quality, independent pop culture podcast. We are on social media. We are at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. Please feel free to email the show, TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all your friends, family, loved ones. Pass it around the the, uh, the Thanksgiving dinner table right next to a side of mashed potatoes covered in gravy. We super, super love that very much. And if you have the time and the inclination, five-star reviews, so so helpful for small podcasts like us. They really do mean the world to us. We want to thank the official members of Pophead Nation, we, who we hope are having an amazing holiday, gearing up for it. If you want to become an official member of Pophead Nation, you can head over to, to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and gain access to the super sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail, 
Jeff is co-hosting The Ringineer, a great music podcast. Please check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California, coming soon, very, very soon, to Baltimore, Maryland. We also thank the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, and of course, the silent assassin, he who shall not be named. Thank you all. I hope you're having a great holiday season. I hope uh, I hope your turkeys are uh, juicy and plentiful <laughs> if you're eating turkey. If you're going with that tofurkey turkey, I hope that's doing well for you too. All good in the hood here. Let's get out of here. We're going to have one more show before the big holiday hits. And I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to like these little bonus remix episodes of, of the show that we're, that we're doing while I'm uh, hip deep in moving. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm trying not to... Uh, be too stressed out about the whole process because, as I said, uh, for everything I put in a box, ten more things seem to multiply, and uh, it's it's like a gremlin scenario. If 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 I were to get objects in the Tom Cave wet, they they multiply all over the place. It's um it's a real conundrum I find myself in. So as I deal with that, please be entertained by Ethan Embry and next week by our chat on planes, trains, and automobiles. Another uh, John Hughes film that. Uh, will warm the cockles of your heart this holiday season. All right, I thank you all so much for listening to the show. We'll be back very, very soon. You know what you do right now. This is, this is the time you take care of each other, take care of your friends, family, loved ones, and uh, and yourselves. And we will be back soon to talk to you more. And uh, you know what that means. Ciao, babes. Are you wearing a Devil's Candy shirt, Tabitha? I am. What <laughs> the fuck? I have that same shirt, Rob. Do you? Oh, no. Colors is like most of my wardrobe. They make the coolest shit. They really do. They really yeah. do. It's good stuff. Also, that movie is amazing. Well, thank you. We had fun. Fucking terrifying, I just say. It's a dark one, that one. It's yeah. horrifying, but really, really good. Shanks. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah.